He sent forth his word and healed them and delivered them from their destruction. Psalm 107 verse 20. The message you're about to hear is a straightforward, down-to-earth and insightful teaching by Lady Reverend Adelaide Heward-Mills. Lady Reverend Adelaide serves under her husband, Bishop Dag Heward-Mills, as a pastor at the Lighthouse Chapel International. Lady Reverend Adelaide is a handmaiden of God and is privileged to have been used by God to pastor and to speak the Word of God, both nationally and internationally, to all ages and gender. She has a plethora of messages on many issues, experiences, and situations of life from God's perspective. Get ready to be transformed as you listen to this message by God's anointed handmaiden, Lady Reverend Adelaide Heward-Mills. Father, we are in your presence and we honor you. We give you all the respect that is due to you and to your word. This morning, we ask that the Holy Spirit would take over this vessel of clay. I ask that the unction that comes from above shall come through these lips of clay and fall on fertile soil. I come against anything that resists the word of God. I pull down strongholds of deception and of the enemy over any life here. And I say, let the word of God go forth with free course and let it glorify God and let it accomplish the reason for which it is being sent out this morning. Thank you, Holy Spirit. You are the teacher. Have your way in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Please take your seats. I want you to give a resounding applause to Jehovah, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, my Redeemer and your Redeemer at the back, at the side, in the middle, give him praise. Let everything that has breath, everything that has breath, give him praise. Hallelujah. When you have breath, it's a privilege. Amen? I have been very heartbroken about uh, the home call of the uh, star, Ebony, because I'm a mother. And at the tender age of 20, your light is just snuffed out. And all the people who said they were your fans, all the people who said they loved you, are not going to go to the grave with you. They are continuing their, life in, their lives in earnest. That's why the Bible says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Because we stand before God as individuals. Even your maid of honor will not go with you. Your best man will not go with you. And the Bible says, we shall give an account of all the things that are done in this body. I was chatting with one of my children on phone, and I was saying, I don't understand why people will not surrender totally to God. What will they lose? They won't lose any fun. They won't lose any happiness but they still resist God. I don't understand it. But the Bible explains it that the God of this world has blinded their eyes lest they should see. So many people are walking, but they are disabled visually. And spiritually, it is a very sad thing. So I pray that the light of the gospel will shine your way this morning and that God will do a work in your life. Amen. I want to thank the chaplaincy board and the UCF and all those involved in asking me to speak this morning. Thank you for the honor. And thank you also for being here because I could have come and you wouldn't have been here. So thank you also for the honor. I always say that Lagon holds very nice memories for me because this is where I met my husband.
I wouldn't say it was love at first sight. Because when I first saw him, he used to annoy me very much. He was so on fire for God, he used to get on my nerves. And I used to think and say to my friends, this guy, he thinks he's the only one going to heaven. Because he was all out. And some of us were 70%, 65%, 80%. And when you are like that and you see somebody who is 100%, the person makes you know that you are 25% short. And because you are not happy with that, you take your anger to the person who has not done anything. But thank God for deliverance. Amen. And um, I made also very good relationships, very good Christian relationships that have persisted even up to today. I didn't know that my relationship with Bishop Saki was going to be the foundation for Lighthouse Chapel International. I didn't know my friendship with Bishop Adi was going to be the foundation. Bishop Jake, um, Lady Pastor Emilia, so many people I had as friends. And we all used to move together, eat together, have fun together. And God was laying the foundation stone for Lighthouse Chapel International, and I didn't even know it. And today, by the grace of God, they are still in the church, and we are all standing shoulder to shoulder, building the kingdom of God by the grace of God. But it all began here. So for me, Legon is a birthing ground. In my time, I don't know whether it's still the same, but Legon Christianity was quite watery and diluted. And it took a lot to stand for Jesus. Tech was on fire. But Legon, it took a lot to stand out to say, I'm a Christian. I stand out for Christ and I'm all out. It wasn't easy and we were a real minority. But I thank God that he kept us and has kept us up to today. And it's the doing of the Lord. I just want to say that to encourage you that you are not just passing through this campus, but leave an indelible mark on this campus so that when you look back, you will not say, oh, Legon just reminds me of bad things. The fornication in Mensa Saba, the smooching in Commonwealth, and the foolishness in Volta Hall. Let that not be your story. But let it be that when you see Legon Hall, you will say, oh, we went for Dawn Broadcasting and we won many songs. When I see Volta Hall, I say, oh, you know, Volta Hall used to be the Hall of Halls. But nowadays, when I meet young people, they don't even want to go there. They want to go to the newer halls. And it amazes me. But in Volta Hall, my husband would lead us to do Dawn Broadcast. And sometimes people would come down with their 90s and their house coats over it crying at dawn and lifting up their hands and giving their lives to Jesus Christ. So when I look back, I see it as a field of harvest and great things happened here. Lives were transformed just through our simple student obedience. You too, you didn't come here to just learn. You came here because it's on God's timetable, like our chaplain was saying. And ask God for his purpose for bringing you here. And may you accomplish it. As I stand today, as soon as we finished school, some people were called home to be with the Lord. As we've gone along, some have been called. And nobody knows the timetable. But you can make it matter for God. Some of us too were very audacious on campus. But now in the world, we are championing the world's course. I don't know how that happens, but I think... When you leave campus and you don't quickly get into the things of God and the people who believe with you, I think your fire goes out and you die. So those of you who say you are in final year, may you travel with Jesus wherever you are. Amen. Well, that was just an introduction. This morning, I'm supposed to speak about 
the life of like being born again and what it means to be a new man and what it means to be an old man. <laughs> and what the whole experience epitomizes, okay? So I pray that God will help me to do justice to that. Second Corinthians 5 verse 17. Second Corinthians 5 verse 17. And most of you should know this by heart. You should meditate on scripture to know why you believe. So that when the winds of life are blowing, you will know. And because of that, you will stand. If any man is in Christ, he's a new creature. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Amen, somebody. The Bible says, if any man is in Christ, any man, no matter your background, no matter whether you are educated or uneducated, no matter who your parents are, no matter what school you went to, no matter whether you are big, you are fat, you are small, you are attractive, according to the world standards, unattractive, it doesn't matter. The Bible says, if any man, any man means any man, including women, is gender neutral, is in Christ. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Now, that new creation has to come about because before that experience happens to you, you are an old creation. We are old creation because we came from Adam. Adam fell and you also fell. When Adam fell, the whole human race was contaminated. And the whole human race became sinful. Now, somebody will say, but why should one man have a problem, Lady Reverend, and then it affects all of us? Some people have asked me that before. But the Bible says, as sin came through one man, so righteousness also came through one man, Jesus Christ. Amen. So when you are from that fallen nature, you become very exposed and disposed to a lot of sin, rebellion. You don't naturally choose God, and you don't naturally choose anything that relates to God. And that's how we all were. David said, in iniquity I was conceived. In iniquity, my mother gave birth to me. Psalm 51. So now, what do we do? Because God sent Adam and Eve out of the garden. You and I are a fallen race. We have made ourselves opponents and enemies of God. We don't have any relationship with him. People say in tree, obia yenyankopomba. It's not true. Everybody is God's creation. Obia yenyankopona bozi. But not everybody is God's child. We're all created by him. But we are not all his children. So when in your life you've never in any time given your life to Christ, you are not a born again Christian. And why do you have to give your life to Christ? Because God created us in his image. And his image entails free will. God will never force you to give your life to him. God will never force you to love him. God will never force you to do things against your will. Because he created you like him. And he chooses what he wants to do. And he has given you and I the same liberties. Amen somebody. But when you come to realization that I'm a sinner, I'm far from God, I don't have any relationship with him, God and I don't have anything in common, and yet God is standing out there inviting me to allow him into my life. And when you respond to that call, by a specific time you prayed, and invited Jesus into your life. That is when Christ steps into your life. 
and the spirit man changes and becomes a new spirit. And that is why we say you are born again. Amen. Now, born again is not a cliche that we have just made up. It is in the Bible. Amen. Let's go to John 3 verse 3. Are you there? Some of you, you don't even know where John is. You are looking in the New Old Testament. Please, eh? But you know all Ebony's songs. Hmm. That doesn't give you life, but you know it. May the Lord have mercy on you. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born again, Except a man be born again, Except a man be born again, He cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus saith unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born of water and of the spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Amen. Now being born again, when they say water and the spirit, what does that mean? When you read Ephesians 5, the Bible says, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for a that he may present it to himself. And the Bible says, by the washing of the water, by the word. So water sometimes represents the Holy Spirit or the word. So through the word of God and the spirit of God, you become a born again Christian. Now, when you become born again, what happens? Many of you have given your life to Christ many, many times, but you remain the same. My next verse is 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 23. 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 23. You should know these verses. I learned them as a young person in my quiet time. And yet you, you don't know even one single verse. Hmm. How will you fight your battles in this life? 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23. Paul is praying for the church in Thessalonica. And he says, the very God of peace sanctify you wholly, not partially, not 50%, not 75%, but wholly. And I pray God, your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. This verse shows that you and I are in three components. Paul said, I pray that you will be sanctified wholly in spirit, in soul, and in body. Man is a spirit. Man is a spirit. You are sitting here, but you have a spirit man in you. Ebony is gone, but she has a spirit. Amen? Everybody has a spirit. And it is that part of you that becomes born again when you give your life to Christ. The spirit man is exchanged for a new spirit. Romans 8, 16 says, and we shout, we, our, our spirit shouts to God, Abba, Father. Our spirit man cries out when you become born again. A new spirit is given you. Because the spirit man is the leader. In every bad group, there's a leader who brings ideas. And who is the opinion leader? And what he says holds is the same with your, body, your existence. Your spirit man is the leader. So the first thing, the first surgery God does on us is to change our spirit man. Now, the Bible says in first, the verse we just read, you'll be sanctified in spirit. So that has been taken care of by allowing Christ to come into your life. But what about your soul? What about your body? 
Beloved, your body stays the same. That's why if you are born again today, tomorrow, if you were short, you are still short. If you were fair, you are still fair. If you were dark, you are still dark. Because your body has not changed. Amen. Now, if the body has not changed, what does the born again Christian do with his body? Now, the spirit man is in charge. And the spirit man can control the body and the soul. The soul consists of your intellect, your emotions, your will. That is what you want to do. All that is part of your soul. So man is a spirit, is the first principle. Number two, he has a soul. Because you have emotions, you have a will. I will do this, I will do that. Even demons have a will. When they went into that man, they said, we will go back to that house and see whether it's empty. And we will go back with seven more demons, more wicked than ourselves. I will, I will, I will. Even demons have a will. And then you have emotions, how you feel. Some of you, your emotions are still the same because you have not allowed your spirit man to control your emotions. You watch things, and when you finish, you say, Lady Reverend, I'm always on heat sexually. Lady Reverend, my salvation is not real. Your salvation is real. But if you are watching the wrong things, you will be charged when you shouldn't be charged. And then you will go out there and manifest it with attendant fruits of your body. Amen, somebody. So you have a soul. We'll come to that. And you live in a body. That is why in the story of the rich man and Lazarus, they could identify themselves when they went into eternity. Because your body, you will just receive an incorruptible body, but there will be recognition in heaven. Your body likes to do bad things, whether you like it or not. If even you are an apostle, your body wants to do bad things. If you are a pope, your body wants to do bad things. If you are a potentate, your body, your body wants to do bad things. So, Lady Reverend, why are you saying that you may be born again, but unfortunately, your body is not born again? And because your body is not born again, if you allow it, he would like to do a coup d'etat and overtake or overpower your spirit man and your body will be in control because there are a lot of Christians who are very fleshly. Amen. Now, turn with me to Romans chapter 7. Romans chapter 7. Are you there? Verse 15. I'm reading from the Message Bible. What I don't understand about myself is that I decide one way, but then I act another, doing things I absolutely despise. So if I can't be trusted to figure out what is best for myself and then do it, it becomes obvious that God's command is necessary. But I need something more. For if I know the law, but still can't keep it, and if the power of sin within me keeps sabotaging my best intentions, I obviously need help. I realize that I don't have what it takes. This is Paul speaking. I can will it. I can will to be pure. I can will to be holy. I can will to do good. This is Paul, verse 18. But I can't do it. I decide to do good, but I don't really do it. I decide not to do bad, but then I do it anyway. My decisions, such as they are, don't result in actions. Something has gone wrong deep within me and gets the better of me every time. It happens so regularly that it's predictable. The moment I decide to do good, 
Sin is there to trip me up. I truly delight in God's commands. But it's pretty obvious that not all of me joins in that delight. Parts of me covertly rebel. And just when I least expect it, they take charge. I've tried everything and nothing helps. I'm at the end of my rope. Is there no one who can do anything for me? Isn't that the real question? The answer, verse 25, thank God, is that Jesus Christ can and does. He acted to set things right in this life of contradictions where I want to serve God with all my heart and mind. But I am pulled by the influence of sin to do something totally different. How many of you can relate to that? You want to do good, but you do evil. And the evil you don't want to do, that is what you do. Paul said, why do I do this? In King James, he said that in my flesh, that means in his body, in your body, in my body, dwelleth no good thing. It doesn't matter whose body it is. You can be a pope, archbishop, potentate, omnipotent. Your body is the same. And if you allow it, it will disgrace you. Your body is like a dog. You need to put a chain around its neck. Amen, somebody? But you can't do it on your own. That's why Paul said, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from this body of sin? And then in verse 25, he says, I thank God through Jesus Christ. So his frustration ends because he comes to the conclusion, Jesus Christ is the answer and he can help me. Amen, Amen somebody. Amen. Now, lady reverend, if it's Jesus Christ who is going to help us, how is that going to come about? I said that no matter who you are, your body is the same. And it will still crave certain things. Whether you are Apostle Paul or you are just like me, it will happen to you. Amen. So now, what do we do? Hmm. Apostle Paul gives us the answer. 1 Corinthians 9, verse 26. I therefore so run, not as uncertainly, so fight I, not as one that beateth the air, but I keep under my body. I keep under my what? I keep under my body and bring it into subjection. Not an angel brings it into subjection for you. Not your pastor brings it into suggestion for you. Subjection. Not your UCF president brings it into subjection. He himself has to also bring his body under subjection. Paul said, I don't fight like somebody beating the air. As if I don't have a name or I don't know what I'm doing. The main person I'm giving the punches to is my body. This is Apostle Paul. He said, I keep my body under. Beloved, your body is like a balloon. It always wants to be on top of the water. It wants to be on top of your life. It wants to decide for you. But unless you use your hand and all the energy you can find to keep it under, you are not going anywhere in your walk with God. Now tell me, have you seen Jesus on the road to Damascus? Have you received revelation like Paul in the desert of Arabia? Have you been to the third heavens and seventh heavens and you couldn't even describe what you saw? You have not had any such experience. And yet, even Apostle Paul said, I keep my body under and I keep it under subjection. Then how much more you and I? Some of you, you've left your body day. Your body does as it pleases. Your body is your prefect, not your spirit man. When the body says sleep, you sleep. When you have to stay, stay up to pray, you sleep. A lot of us are so unspiritual. 
What does the Bible say in Jude 21? But you, beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying, praying in the spirit. We have many weak Christians because we don't pray. What did Jesus say in the garden? He said to his disciples, watch and pray that you enter not into temptation. It means that one of the cardinal ways to ensure that we don't enter temptation is to pray. And then he said, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Pray therefore, but a lot of us like to quote, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And then we end there, full stop. There's no such thing. The spirit is willing. The flesh is weak. So because of this state of affairs, pray. That's what Jesus said. And when Jesus himself was tempted not to go to the cross on the garden of Gethsemane, how did he come out of it? By prayer. By prayer. That's why the Bible says, in everything, by prayer. By you. You let your body sleep day and it even snores like a train. And when they say we are fasting about this, you even hide and eat. As if you are doing somebody a favor. You see, it takes understanding. When we were here by the grace of God, every Friday was fasting day for us. And my roommate and I, used to fast and pray. And we had only one lecture on Friday mornings. So after the Friday morning lecture, we will take ourselves to Legon Botanical Gardens. And we will wait on God ourselves. Not because we were some supernatural beings, but because we felt that the world was such a dangerous place, we needed help. And our help cometh from the Lord, who made heaven and earth. And when we went to the gardens, well, that's how we were brought up. Our prayer topic was not give us a breakthrough. Give us a, this. No. Our prayer topic was these are our mates and we will mention them. Let them come to know you. These are our family members, including my brother, Prophet Kakra. And all my brothers, they didn't know God. And my husband would say, on Friday, I will also pray for them and pray for my own sisters to be born again. And eventually, they all have become pastors. They may never have known what was sown in the ground, but God answered that prayer. We didn't know that we were carving out our destiny. We used to pray, let your will be done. Let your will be done. Then we had a friend who was very blasphemous. He said he was communist. He didn't believe in God. But every day you come and be talking foolish things. And our spirits were stirred up. We were not happy about it. So we went to the gardens and we say, Lord, we release a spirit of unrest. May he never have rest till he comes to say that I'm sorry for blaspheming your God. And then when we came back, he came and said, after some weeks, oh, these days I don't feel free at all. I looked at my roommate's face and we smiled. He said, I think that my utterances have been wrong and I would like to retract them. Prayer. Little did I know that it was even preparing me for life. Because you get to places in life, no man can help you. You may think that, oh, but you are married to Bishop Dag. He should be able to help you. But there are times when Bishop Dag has gone on crusade to Bogota, to Zredru uh, in Liberia. There is no internet. There is no reception. So if your salvation is your husband, you don't know God for yourself. You are calling him at the crusade. You cause that the number you are trying to reach is out of coverage area. Remember, God was teaching you. God was preparing you in your student days. You didn't build up yourself on your most holy faith. So when the tractor of life comes, you are just mowed down. Prayer is one of the ways to control the body. Amen. And Paul said, I keep my body under and I make it serve me. Another version says, I discipline my body. Is discipline nice? It's not. Paul said, I give my body blows to ensure that it stays under control. Now, many Christians these days 
I don't know what type of Holy Spirit lives in you. But the Bible says that self-control is one of the fruits of the Holy Spirit. But you people want other control. Because you live in a world of remote control. So you think that your life also should be remote control. But there's something called self-control that God doesn't do for you. The Holy Spirit empowers you so that you can control yourself. You are watching all sorts of things on your phone. You are watching all sorts of things on your iPad. You are watching all sorts of things from everywhere you can find. When you marry and you don't have a fulfilling sexual life, you wonder why. Because you have been watching that actress on your phone, the pornography, she's acting. And she's going to be paid. Your wife too, she's real. She's not an actress. So when you marry, you say, ah, how come she doesn't behave like this blonde? I, so there's no blonde in Ghana in the first place. Amen, ladies. Amen, the men. So you are starting to destroy yourself already. But Satan will never tell you that. So your body has to be kept under control through the power of the Holy Spirit. The Bible says, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself. Let him, oh, not an angel, you yourself. When yourself wants to do things that are not right, you say, access denied. Amen, somebody? Access denied. But many of us, when our flesh comes, we say, oh, flesh, have this. Have a three-course meal and even our add desserts. In fact, I will even let you start with status. And whenever I counsel most of the young people, say, hey, Reverend, I don't like this, but I can't stop you. Because you love it too much. God delivers us from our enemies, not our friends. So if something is your friend, God cannot deliver you from it. Amen, somebody. So what do we do with our bodies? Romans chapter 12, verse 1. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies. What do you present? Your body. A living sacrifice. Beloved, what is a sacrifice? A sacrifice is something that costs you. A sacrifice is something that you give up to lose something. And Paul tells you, when you become born again, this is how to do with your body. We've learned that you keep it under, but you also present it. A living sacrifice. Not somebody is forcing you. You come and say, God, this body, I just presented. Like those of you who got prizes. Eh? This prize is presented to, you present your body. A living sacrifice. When a sacrifice is living, it means anytime you put it at the altar, it wants to run away. That's your body. It doesn't want to be sacrificed. But Paul said, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God. A lot of you... When you do things that you say, oh, mercy, oh, mercy, mercy. But the mercy is supposed to help you to give your body as a living sacrifice. Amen, somebody. Holy and acceptable unto God, which is just a reasonable service. It's not a fantastic service you are doing, God. It's a reasonable service. Amen, somebody. So I've talked about your spirit man being born again. God gives you a new spirit that Christ, Abba Father. I've talked about the fact that your body doesn't change. It remains the same. Now, Lady Reverend, what about our souls, our minds, our intellect, our will, our emotions? What do we do? Because the verse I read to you said, be sanctified in spirit, in soul, and in body. Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed. Be ye transformed. Be ye transformed. Transformed means changed. Be ye changed. How? By the renewing of your minds. That you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. When I became born again, 
I needed to renew my mind. And I am still renewing my mind. We need to renew our mind so that be not conformed to this world. Don't think like the world thinks. Don't value the things the world values. Your value system should change when you become born again. Amen? What the world values is not what you should value. What the world sings is not what you should sing. What the world worships is not what you should worship. But now, Christians are even worse than unbelievers. Some of you, you have sung profane songs that you have come to sit here. And when we say, thou, oh Lord, you are also singing some. The same mouth is used to sing things that should not be sung. And then after that, it's used to praise God. James said, how can that be? How can bitter water and sweet water come from the same source? Amen? So he says, don't follow the standards of this world. What are the standards of this world? You see, the standards of this world are not always foolishness. Sometimes it makes human sense. When I was on campus, some people used to say, who were not born again, that um, if you are marrying a girl or you want to eat some soup, you have to taste it to see whether it's nice or you don't just go and say, give me the soup. So logically, it may make, make sense. But when you come to the Bible, you are going by God's value system. God will say, know you not that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit and that don't use it for fornication. You see, many people think God is against sex, but God is the creator of sex. God is the originator. Not the pornography you've been watching. God is wilder than that. Go and read Songs of Solomon. God is at another level. But he's only saying, let it be done at the right time and in the right way. God wants you to go on a journey of discovery together. I had a pastor friend, not in my church, who counseled a couple. This one is not a Nigerian movie, a true life story. And the man said, Reverend, when I married my wife, she said she would make me happy. But the first night, Reverend, the type of experience she released, Reverend, I'm not sure I can handle it. The pastor counseled the man and said that, you know, you have to forget the past. You have to forgive all have sinned, whatever. Unfortunately, the pastor informed my husband and I that the marriage broke. I am not saying it is right, but I'm saying that God's ideal intention was that we would discover each other together. That's why Solomon was surprised to know about his beloved. Oh, your neck is like this. Your breasts are like this. It's supposed to be a journey of discovery, but you know. You have made yourself a lotto kiosk and not a temple of God. Amen? And you, the brother, you are just sharing things everywhere. And then when life starts to roll out, things you didn't anticipate are coming your way. God is always wiser. So the Bible says, renew your mind. We all came from different backgrounds. Some people say, you should impregnate the girl before you marry her. My own father, who was a very strict father, suddenly became very unstrict when I was getting married. He called me to his room, just quietly and privately, and said, this boy you are going to marry, do you know him? I said, oh, daddy, we are in 1989. I know him from 1982. Oh, I know him as my friend, and then he became my beloved later, and all that. I know him. Then he said, that is not the kind of knowledge I'm talking about. So I said, hey, what knowledge can that be? He said, do you know this young man as a man knows a woman? I couldn't believe it because my father had never said that to me. So I was like, he said, I mean, the things a man and a woman do. Then I said, no, daddy. According to 2 Corinthians 6, 14, the Bible says, I'm a temple of the living God. And that 
What fellowship has Christ with Belial or light with darkness? So I can't. My father stood up and said, get out of this room. You get up, you quote the Bible anyhow. Things you don't understand, you say. Unless you get pregnant, you are not getting married to this man. Yes. And in fact, he turned to my mother and said, four years you have been beloved with this guy and he has never touched you. My mother is called Gina. He said, Gina! Aqualan on your normal. On your normal. I was sent out like, a, I don't know, like a goat. I was shooed out like a goat. I started to walk in Ringway Estates, speaking in tongues. My husband was writing his exam, final exam, speaking in tongues, crying, saying, God, strengthen me. I'm alone because my brothers also came to the room when I was crying. Oh, they lived in the UK. So, they, oh, sis, what's wrong? Daddy said, I should go and fornicate me first. Oh, but sis, that's fun. <laughs> the standards of the world. The stand, they may be your mother, they may be your father, they may be your siblings, but the standards are different. And the Bible is saying to you, do not be conformed to the standards of this world, but be transformed. How? Renew your mind. And how do you renew your mind? With the holy book. With the scriptures. Otherwise, you would think like the world. By you, you have left yourself. Anything that is popular, you will do. Anything that will get you funds, you will do. Anything that will make people accept you, you will do. But God has called you as a born-again Christian to be a peculiar person, not to be the normal person. Amen? Please give me a cue when my time is getting close. So we need to renew our minds. We need to put our emotions under control. You like the boy, but don't lift your skirt. Because after he has left you, you are in P20 in Volta Hall. He will come for P18 soon. It happened when I was here. You don't need that. Because of this foolish boy, you have abandoned Jesus. I just wonder. Your mind needs to be renewed. Because compared to Jesus and this boy, you should choose Jesus. Amen, sisters? Compared to that girl, brothers, your mind is always active, working. Look, renew your mind. And don't feed the mind and the flesh and the lust thereof. Don't feed it. Because when you feed it, you cannot accomplish your work with God. And some of us think, oh, God is just giving rules and all that. But there's something sin does. The Bible says sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. That's what sin does. The Bible talks about the deceitfulness of sin. So it means that sin is very deceitful. It makes you think, oh, I'm having a good time. It's a roller coaster. The girls believe me, you know. Some of you, you spend more time gaining six-pack than you do in the word of God. Exercise is good, but the Bible says, Physical exercise profiteth little, but godliness is profitable unto all things. Amen, somebody. I was telling a group of young people yesterday, I was preaching somewhere. I went to my, uh, Makola, the Okanshi Lane, last year. And whilst I was walking there, I saw that eh, they were selling hips and bust and waist and six-pack. And stomach control for men who have pot bellies. I was so shocked. I stood there momentarily and opened my mouth. Then the woman said, oh, madam, who baby? Medium womb, large womb, way womb. I felt very sorry for the brothers. Because they don't know what is under the dresses of the sisters. So as you are being moved by hips, tips, and lips, where are you going to? Her fingertips, her hips, and her lips are... As many as are led by the spirit of you, you are led by vital statistics. <laughs> Not know it was bought in Makola. 
in your six pack that the girl lies against. Oh, oh I love your six pack. It's all false. Wash it. It's a pillow. Amen. Do not be conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. You renew your mind by scripture because the world thinks differently. The world says, love is sleep with me now. God says, true love waits. The world says, don't forgive. If you forgive, they take you for granted. Jesus said, forgive 77 times 7. You really need to renew your mind. And even at my age, I still need to renew my mind. Whether it's marriage, whether it's children, whether it's profession, whether it's career, it takes the word of God. What does the psalmist say in Psalm 119? Verse 105, I believe. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light for my path. Because it's a dark world and you need a light. And that is why being born again means you kneel and say, Jesus is Lord. Lord of my emotions. Lord of my spirit. Lord of my intellect. Lord of my mind. Lord of my will. Lord of my body. And that is when you can say, I'm a born again Christian. I may not be perfect in a day, but I strive towards the mark of the high calling. We should see a graduation. Because the Bible says you are changed from glory to glory. Beloved, it is not by our own might. It is by the grace of God. Philippians 2 verse 13. And I'm ending soon. Philippians 2 verse 13. When you get there, tell us. Say amen. If you are not there, say wait for me. In this iPad age, you just click and it goes, isn't it? We had a solid Bible. You have to know it. Philippians 2 verse 13. For it is God. It is who? Which worketh in where? In you. Both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Amen. God has not left you alone. That's why Christianity is not about New Year resolution. It's not about positive thinking. It's not about uh, uh, being strong-minded. But it is God. When you get born again, it is God who works in you and I. And not only does he just come to live in our hearts, but he shapes our will. He shapes our desires. He takes over. He gives us new desires. Naturally, we are not like that. But as you walk with God, you see that your desires are changing. Amen? When my dad said, if you don't get pregnant, you can't marry. And then later he said, if you don't get pregnant, you can't have the kind of wedding I would have given you. It happened live and in color. So I always say, it's a long story, I'm not going there, but I always say I married the same man four times. The same man. Four times. And my, my father said, did you see all the pomp and glory I did for your big sisters? I said, yes. He said, you know I'm able. I said, yes, I know you are able. Well, if you're not going to get pregnant before you marry, then you just sign and be married, but you are not having a wedding. I paid the price, beloved. I got married without having a wedding. I moved to live with my husband. Six months later, my parents came to my door. <laughs> We've decided that how you married was not good, so now you should have a wedding. Six months after. So six months after, I had a wedding. But you pay a price for what you believe. When my husband said he was going into full-time ministry, my father-in-law, my mother, and my father, together, ganged up against us. And they told me to tell my husband not to think like that, but he should think right. <laughs> and my father-in-law said to me, you are just married. Have you thought about where you will get food from, how this man will look after you. The church, there's nobody in it. Only these students. In fact, we were using our monies to sponsor the church. When my father sent me abroad, then I'll say, oh, this is my tithe. 
Then I'll use it. My husband will say, okay, try and buy a tambourine. So when I come tambourine, and then when he travels, he'll buy this organ that is so light for the church. And then we were going on along, along like that. The church was full of students. There was no hope. There was nothing you could see on the horizon. But the Bible says about Jesus, he learned obedience through the things he suffered. What have you suffered for Christ before? What have you survived? What have you had to give up in your walk with God? If there's no such thing, then your walk is not deep. Because by all means, when you get somewhere, you have to sacrifice some. Sometimes your comfort, sometimes your opinion. Even in marriage, sometimes you sacrifice your opinion. Because there can never be two captains in one ship. But you two, you say, I'm a woman of the millennium. Eh? I, I just say and I do. Huh? I'm a feminist and I'm a... Go and read the Bible and see that it says, wives, submit yourselves. Not only God should force you to submit to you. Submit yourselves unto your own husbands. Ask unto the Lord. Amen. And then it says, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. Oh, this is not in the world. The world is husbands, dominate your wives and see that they don't become anything. Amen? But it takes a renewing of them. Even they are Christians. We renew our minds only in some pockets of our lives. But when it comes to marriage or some areas of marriage, we don't renew our minds. And that's why we are being found in divorce courts and in all places because we are not renewing our minds according to the word of God. No matter how great we are. But I pray that this morning, your born again experience will become real. Beloved, this is the time to spend time with God. The Bible says your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel. Most of the scriptures we know today, we learned when we were in high school and here. And those scriptures have kept us up to today. So when we see it again, it's just a refresher course. And believe you me, when you cross your 50-year milestone, it's not easy to remember a lot of things. But the things that you have known, Paul said, thou hast known the scriptures as a child. So I want to encourage you. This is the time to serve God. This is the time to know God for yourself. This is the time to have a personal relationship with God. This is the time not to move with friends, but to move with God. There are very bad friends even in church. Sometimes you don't know anything bad. It's in church that the person will show you pornography. It happens. It's in church that the drug pusher has come to meet you. In church. It's in church that you met your fornication mate. What does the Bible say? 1 Corinthians 15 verse 33. Do not be deceived. Bad company corrupts good morals. You may be good, but the type of company you keep. Huh? Before you can say, Jack, what's this, sir? You'll be surprised. And that's why the Bible says, don't be deceived. Bad company. Your company determines how far you go with God. Your company determines how serious you'll be with God. I got to a point here. I had people I loved, people I thought were fun. But God told me, bring them to the altar and sacrifice those friendships. And see me work in you. It wasn't easy. I wept many tears. But today, I thank God. For that work that he did in me. And God will do that work in you also. Finally, I want us to look at Galatians 2 verse 20. Galatians 2 verse 20. I'm crucified with Christ. Not by Christ. Not near Christ. Not behind Christ. Not in front of Christ. But with him. I'm crucified with Christ. The life that I now live, that's the born again life. I live through the faith of the son of God who loved me and gave his life for me. Beloved, it takes faith to walk with God. It takes faith that God lives in you. It takes faith that God's word is true. It takes faith to believe that greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. The one in you is not there just to be carried around. He's there to put you over. He's there to make you overcome. He's there to make you win your battles. He's there to make sure that you make it. That is why he's there. The life that you now live, you live by the faith of the Son of God.
but it starts with crucifixion. We have to crucify our desires, crucify our lusts, crucify our choices, crucify sometimes our preferences, so that the resurrected Christ can be on the throne of our lives. And really we can say that Jesus Christ is Lord. Finally, is my time up? Titus chapter 2, verse 13. You should have stopped me. <laughs> Titus chapter 2. Don't know where Titus is. Forgiveness made easy. Hmm. Titus 2, verse 13. Looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity. This is God's reason for redeeming you from all iniquity. And purify unto himself a peculiar people, zealous of good works. God saved you not that you will just be saved, but so that he will deliver you from all iniquity, he will purify you and make you a peculiar person. If you want the world to accept you, you can't walk with God. You have to be odd. You have to be peculiar. You have to be different. The Bible says that's why Jesus came. To purify unto himself a peculiar people. Zealous of good works. Finally, I want to say, the devil looks for work for idle hands. This is the time to be serious about your studies. To have a balanced life. But also to work for God. To win souls for Christ. To encourage people. To lift people up. When you are busy with the things of God. You won't have too much time to do foolish things. I pray with Paul that you will be sanctified, spirit, soul, and body. And be blameless by the coming of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Stand to your feet, please. I just want you to pray to God. It's not just a formality. We are ending, so pray to God. No, you have heard the word. Let the word... And the seed germinates now. Begin to talk to God personally about what you have heard. Some of you need to rededicate your lives to Christ. Some of you need to give your lives to Christ today. Now is the accepted time. Forget about who is on your left, who is on your right. <coughs> when Ebony went, she was not able to carry her fans. And even the people that she has gone with, they will stand as individuals before God. The Bible says we will give an account of all that we have done in this body. No matter who you are. This morning, Jesus is standing at the heart of your door. The door of your heart. <laughs> and is knocking. If you will open, he will come in. You want to say, Lady Reverend, pray for me. I'm not sure whether I'll go to heaven or hell if I die. She was only 20 years and she's gone. Our lives are not our own. Every head bowed and every eye closed. This is a solemn time. If you want to give your life to Christ, you want to rededicate your life, you want a new beginning, Lady Reverend, pray for me. Give me that opportunity. It's an honor. Lift up your hands wherever you are standing. Give me the opportunity to pray with you. Give me the opportunity to lead you to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. God bless you. I see your hands. Forget about being popular. And know that he has called you to be a peculiar person. And if you've lifted your hands, come quickly. We need to end. Come quickly. When Christ makes a call, you answer quickly. Come forward. Come now. On the, on the, in front of the stage. Come. Come to Jesus. Come. 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 Into my heart. Into my heart, come into my heart, Lord Jesus, come in today, come in, today. come into my heart. Lord G. There are more. You are standing there. Your heart is beating. I'm talking to you. This is nothing to be ashamed of. I'm waiting for you. 
A few more seconds. Yes, I'm busy. Yes, I have a lot of things to do. But this is important. Come running before the rain. Come. 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 From the back. From the side. Oh, God will give you grace. Come. Come. Come to Jesus. Encourage them. Clap for them. Heaven is rejoicing. Come. Come. If you've come forward, close your eyes and say this prayer after me and mean it with all your heart. Lord Jesus, this morning, this morning, I give my life to you. Jesus, come in and be the Lord and the master of my spirit, of my soul, of my body, of my life. Come in and have the rulership in Jesus' name. Thank you for dying on the cross to forgive my sins. Thank you for rising from the dead so that I will have everlasting life. And thank you that by this prayer, a new life has begun in me. In Jesus' name, amen. It was great having you today. To find out more about the resources available by Adelaide Heward Mills, please visit the Vision Bookshop at the Kodesh, North Kanishi, or meet her on Facebook at Reverend Mrs. Adelaide Heward Mills. For prayer and counseling, please call 0243-187-900. You can also drop us an email at honeyonmylips at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. Until next time, God richly bless you.